Hey, this is Pastor David. Thanks for plugging in today. I believe that this word from God will encourage you, challenge you, and help direct you toward your destiny. A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus said, that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and understanding, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get right into the word. There's no one like our God, no one at all. Gave his son for us, Jesus the Lord. Who can love us like he does? Welcome, friends and family, to this episode of Daily Bread. I'm here in the podcasting studio with my beautiful bride, Tanya Vidal. Hey, everyone. Good to see you, as always. We're here to talk about the message, Roar Like a Lion. If you missed it, you can find a link in the description below. And as always, we encourage you to explore our archive of relevant teaching on the YouTubes and the podcasts as well. So we're here with the uh, Frecklefish, who has been affectionately named <laughs> Ceviche. Ceviche. So uh, the nameless fish is no longer nameless. Hey, in your message, which was really awesome, by the way, um, cool to get that post-retreat energy <laughs> from you and, and the other ladies. Yeah. Like there was just a really kind of active and and powerful energy in in the room. You could feel, you know, this, because uh, there was a lot of women that went on that, that women's retreat. So yeah. When, when you ladies were gone, that was noticeable. And when you were back, it was like not only were you there, but there was a, a real shift in atmosphere. There was oh, a real man. change in, in energy. The Holy Spirit just edified us and built us up, and we just came back ready. Yeah, it was awesome. We had an interview with some of the friends that went on the retreat. Man, that, that was really fun to hear about what, what was going on in, in the hearts of all you ladies. Let's get to the topic at hand. In your message, you said that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Mm. And as carriers of Christ, we know that he has set a lion inside of us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when we committed our lives to Jesus, we became a new person, mm-hmm. right? Second Corinthians 5.17 says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Your old person is dead and buried. And then we we even go further. We even show that we agree with that scripture by being water baptized. Mm-hmm. And we show that this this other person is dead and gone. And now this new person lives. But the trouble is we don't really know who this new person is that's that's living inside of us. And in order for us to live a life of victory, it is paramount that we begin to know who we are in Christ. Most definitely. Yeah, like Mark Hankins always says, you look a lot better in Christ than you do outside of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he's always talking about um, what it is to, to live in Christ. Of course, he's a good friend of ours. And we, we love Mark Hankins. And to be in Christed. Yes. Yeah, he's he's probably the leading authority on in Christ teaching uh, in, in America, at least today. Could you tell us some practical ways that we can begin getting to know who we are in Christ? Yeah, you know, there's always the no does that everybody gives, right? Read your Bible and pray, right? And definitely do that. Yeah, those aren't bad things. That's that's why they're no does, because they're just no duh. Like, do it. Those are the things you do. But outside outside of that, I would say not just read your Bible, but go through it and highlight or find all the scriptures that say in him, through him, of him, and with him. When we can read those we really get a heart for who Jesus is, for what's in him and the power that he carries and the love that he carries for people. We get to see how love and compassion motivate him 
to move in the spirit and to work in the people who, you know, to meet their needs. Yeah, so knowing who he is helps me to know who I am. Exactly. And read the gospels, like read about his life on earth, make purpose to do that, to just see how he interacted with people and what he he was on earth and what he wasn't on earth because Jesus was not a pushover as many Christians today would have have you believe that being a pushover is being peaceful, is being like Christ. But when we really look into and read about the life of Christ and, and how he interacted, he was not a pushover. Yeah, you know, I'm always surprised. I, I started reading the Gospels when I was a young teenager. Mm-hmm. And going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, especially John, and, and finding out who Jesus was, I was really, really surprised, pleasantly surprised most of the time. Yeah. Kind of shocked <laughs> other times. You know, he was, man, he said some hard things. Yeah. Jesus said some really hard, not just theologically hard things, but he said some hard things to some powerful people. Yeah, he. I love that he didn't let the quote-unquote power of people push him back. He yeah. was not afraid to confront the the issues at hand. And, no, he wasn't. And the twisting of scripture. Yeah, he wasn't. And he just called a spade a spade. Absolutely. But he did it in a way that was like filled with love and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And like looking back now, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, looking back at when I was a, a teenager reading the scripture, I can't believe how great of an idea that I had about who Jesus was before I knew him. Mm-hmm. So I, I had already, even as a young person, I had already kind of decided some framework about who Jesus was in, in my heart and in my mind. And it wasn't until I started reading about who he was in the Gospels, those firsthand accounts, those mm-hmm. firsthand experiences with Jesus, that I really started figuring out who this guy really was and what he was about. And the the kind of, I couldn't believe like how much of a, of a personality Jesus has. <laughs> he really does. The Gospels do a really, really good job of painting a picture of who this Jesus guy really was. They most definitely do. And honestly, it, it does surprise me how many people who, who don't know Jesus have an image of who he's supposed to be in their head and how bold they are about telling unbelievers to live by their definition of Jesus when they don't even know him. Yeah, and take that in reverse. How about mm-hmm. these unbelievers who maybe they spend a little time, maybe they even have a, a, a Christian upbringing or, or they spend a little time in church or, or even the ones that, you know, they only visited church on Christmas and Easter or on Mother's Day when their grandmother insisted that they all go. And here they all are. All these millions of people have this idea of who Jesus is that isn't really the full picture. You really do have to read all the Gospels and not just like a, a once through. You got to really read it, listen to it, look at it, kind of meditate yeah. on it, kind of look between the lines a little bit about mm-hmm. the the things that Jesus was saying. And and I remember also talk about uh, a discovery about who Jesus was. I remember specifically having to put aside the things that I thought Jesus was, how I thought he was approaching people, the the perspective he was that I in my mind had him him taking. Yeah, because he isn't necessarily taking those positions or those sides. And you really have to read it like for what it is. Yes, definitely. Which I think another great way um, that we can know who we are in Christ is just to talk to him. Just talk to him. But not like, you know, 
don't speak to him in King James unless that's how you actually speak, you right. know, unless that's how you talk. Right. But talk to Jesus out loud like you talk to a friend. Talk to him like you talk to somebody who you love and who who you value, you know, like like vent to Jesus. Sometimes we do need to vent, like take the lid off and, and vent to him. And talk to him like he's your best friend. Seems a little strange, right? To just to be talking out loud to this, an, an imaginary friend. But <laughs> that's not really what it is. Jesus is alive. He's not imaginary. Jesus is alive. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere all the time. And I think this is a very, very practical way that we can get to know who we are in Christ. What better way than to actually talk to the guy that we're in? Yeah, and not just talk at him, but talk with him, which means, yes, say the stuff you got to say, but listen. Stop for a little bit and listen. You can't see him with your natural eyes. That don't mean he's not there. Talk to him and then stop what you're doing and just listen. He he will answer back. He, he wants to talk with you, not just at you. You know, so many people think Jesus just talking at at us like a lecturer. He's not that. He sticks closer than a brother. And I'm close with my brothers, but Jesus sticks closer than a brother. And if we would talk with him together, I mean, it's really just a beautiful way to also grab his heart, learn who he is, because the more we learn who he is, the better we know who we are. It's true. And I think you couple this with with the point that you made before about reading reading about who Jesus is in the Gospels, mm-hmm. because what what I found so profound was that when I started learning how to speak to Jesus and, and really, I guess it's easier to speak to Jesus than it is to listen to him. But when you really start listening, he is 100% consistent yes. with who he was in the Gospels. Definitely. So that same personality that you see jumping off the pages in the Gospels is the same approach he takes with me and with you when, when he talks and relates to us. Who he was on earth is who he is in the Old Testament, is who he is in the New Testament, is who he is after resurrection. He's the same. He's the same yesterday, Yesterday. today, and forever. That's what the Word says. He's he's the same. And he won't talk to you outside of his Word, which is another thing to know while you're listening. So true. Is that Jesus doesn't speak anything to you outside of his Word. So if he says it, and you're like, I don't know what I feel about that. I don't know what I think about that. Look it up in scripture. It will always back scripture. And right. if it doesn't back scripture, that that didn't come from him. That might have come from a either a wounded place or an excited place in your heart. And it's just something that we just try not to confuse with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The leading of the Holy Spirit and the voice of Jesus are different things. They're they're both God, but they're different people. They're unique and own person. And the Holy Spirit will lead us into certain things, and the Holy Spirit will speak to us. Mm -hmm. He also speaks according to the Word, and Jesus always speaks according to the Word. Yeah. Another way, I think, is to find a good mentor, is to get under the wing of somebody who's been there for a long time. You know, and I'm not saying like, you know, my peer is my mentor. Your peers can't, they they don't have, have it to carry that at this time. They're still growing the same way that you're growing, um, you want somebody who's who's pretty solid, who's been in and up in it a while. I think mentorship is mission critical. It's huge. Yeah, and and it I know is. there's a lot of um, ministries that try to impose mentorship. Like everybody here, it's like you must have this person in your life. Mm-hmm. And I I agree with the sentiment. It's it's it is to your benefit to have somebody like that in your life. But my mentors, for example, I've got 
two really solid mentors. And we don't talk on a daily basis. We don't necessarily even talk on a weekly basis. But there are people that I can talk to whenever I need that help. Mm-hmm. They're available to me. Occasionally, they're checking in on me from time to time. Yeah. And when we talk, it's like there's no love lost. There's no damage from time and space that, that we've spent apart. Uh, they're just really solid believers who... When I go to, I can say I can trust this information and and submit to their wisdom. Yeah, my mentor has been just an absolute must in my growth and in my walk with the Lord. She has spoken into me. A mentor will see things in you and call the things out of you that God's placed in there before you know it's there. They see it. They've been walking with the Lord and they're on their face and they're praying for you, you know, and the Lord is showing them things about you and they will call those things out of you and help you work through it so that you can can rise. She says calling you higher. And it's in such a an empowering way. They really do empower a person to become to become everything that that Christ has placed in us. And it's really got to be somebody that you can trust them and that you can trust the wisdom that comes from them. Yeah, the reality is every successful Christian has a mentor. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be a successful Christian, you got to have a mentor. And you need to pick wisely. The Holy Spirit will help you to pick a mentor, but you have to have somebody in your life, not that just agrees with you, not somebody that you can just call and have Bible studies with, but a parent type figure, Mm -hmm. a mentor. Man, when he speaks or she speaks, I'm going to listen. I'm going to write this down. This is important to me. We're not just chummy. We're not just friends. We're not just here to like rah, rah, cheer each other on, but he's here or she's here to help me successfully navigate this life as a believer. You know, what's really cool about mentors is the respect I've held for mine has really helped me in my walk with Jesus. And there are times where he is God daddy and he is God friend, but that respect really shows me the beautiful fear and respect of the Lord as well and how I treat God in that capacity. You bet. I also like to make declarations you know, like I said earlier, you know, go through your Bible and highlight, find all those in him, of him, through him, with him scriptures, make declarations out of them, make it personal, take some of those in him, you know, instead of saying in him, you know, me with him, I have the life of Christ and start making declarations, start speaking these things out loud. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So if we're making declarations in Christ's declarations over ourselves, and we're saying them out loud, which is there's power in that. There is power behind our voice. And so speaking it out loud does shift an atmosphere, but also hearing them, hearing them, it, it seeds our believing ground. It seeds the soil of our faith in our heart. If you're taking notes, here's five really, really easy ways to start growing in Christ, getting to know who you are in Christ. Find the in him scriptures about him, in him, through him, by him. Find those scriptures, highlight them, commit them to memory, read the gospels, talk to Jesus, get a mentor, and make declarations out of the scriptures. Now in the message, Roar Like a Lion, you pressed into this analogy of lions, saying that as children, that's us, as children of the lion of the tribe of Judah, 
we walk alongside one another mm-hmm. as a pack of lions. Yeah. And you went on to describe how natural lions behave, and you did an amazing impression of Attenborough. His voice is so soothing. Oh, it's like butter, man. It's like, it's like butter. But one of the scriptures you brought up was this one that we love in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, and I'll let our listeners uh, look that up for themselves, but it basically says, as iron sharpens iron, so a brother sharpens another. And, and knowing that this scripture is not the green light to argue and fuss with other believers, right. how does it change when we look at it through the lens of a cooperative lion pack. Man, when we know that that's not an excuse, so many people come in with that, well, I'm just sharpening you, and then they just beat you up. Right, and you did a really good job in your message making that very clear Yeah, and really shifting how how we thought about that scripture. Yeah, how that changes us is that we're not swinging our swords at each other, so we're not walking around already defeated. We're not walking around beat down. The word is a sword, but it's not meant for us to swing at each other. We have an enemy and that's who we direct that to. And a lot of times when somebody says something and somebody just swings their sword out of them, then it it puts a fear in them to say anything again. Look, when we're not afraid of that, we're not afraid to speak out. We are not walking around beat down or, or afraid to put our two cents in. But when it's two cents on the word of God, you know, God multiplies your sense. God's going to multiply that. God's going to, it's like we're sharing power. And if we're walking around beat down, we, we're afraid of sharing the power of Christ that's in us. So we walk as a powerful, powerful pack. Pastor Dave, you like to say that a champion walks in the ring different than an underdog. They sure do. We walk in as champions they and where we- confidence. Yes. Right? They walk in knowing that that there's a title under their belt. They got the belt to prove it. They are a champion. I've had the opportunity to walk into rings, tournament venues as, as a champion. And I'll tell you what, the, the reason you have so much boldness and so much swagger, if you will, is because of your lion pack. It's, mm-hmm. be, it's because of the ones who are around you. I look at Christians all the time and I'm like, hey, same team, guys. Yeah. Same team. And I'm not just saying like we just overlook all the things or agree to disagree. That's not what I'm saying. But instead of finding these these things that we can pit ourselves against each other about, we are so, as believers, we are so few and far between and, and split up. And the enemy wants us to feel that way. He wants to split us up. That if we can just come together and instead of pointing out the things that we disagree on, mm-hmm. maybe spend more time focusing on the things that we do agree on, like the goodness of God and the necessity of a savior and the things that are most important, just being on the team. Can you imagine how powerful that Christian voice would be when it's it's roaring together? There are so many YouTubes and just different social media things that, that pit us against each other. This is why this person's ministry is bad. And this is why this person's ministry, um, this is why I don't like this person. And it's really... Um, defeating so the roar of, of the Christian. One of the things that always drove me crazy is how the world in worldly circles does brotherhood and sisterhood better than the Christians. The Christians should be the example of arms linked and a unified front of, hey, the, here's, here's these core tenets of our, of our faith and these core values and these truths that, that we're going to lock arms in and you cannot penetrate this. If you go into a restaurant and you see all these bikers, they're all unified. They're hmm. they're locked in arms and arms. You know, how how come the bikers are doing brotherhood better than the Christians? How come the Crips and the Bloods are doing brotherhood 
better than the Christians. <laughs> we, we've got to, at, on some level, be able to link arm in arm and I'm going to do business with my fellow Christians and I'm going to spend my time with my fellow Christians. I'm buying lunch for my fellow Christians. I'm, I want to link arm in arm with my brothers and sisters so that they can feel the full force and the confidence that comes with being a part of this pride. It really unmasks why the enemy would twist Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, doesn't totally. it? Get us all fighting mm-hmm. and say, oh, look, even God says it's okay that you guys fight with each other. You know, and then when we, when we stop swinging our sword at each other and start walking together, we become family. We become family and family is huge. We start treating each other better. We start treating each other well, right? We cheer for each other. We don't talk bad about each other's victories. We celebrate them. We're, we're the ones cheering the loudest. We build each other up. When we build each other up, we become stronger. We edify each other and we make growing a safe and healthy place to be. We make learning about scripture. We make learning how to walk in Christ. We make that a safe place to be instead of a a scary place. Oh my gosh, one foot out of line and somebody's going to come down on you like crazy. But when we're family, we, we, we guide and it's, it's with that hand of love of like, oh, hey, you know what? You're walking in a way that's dangerous. Come back to the family, come back to the, and, and living as family, it calls people back when we can edify each other and build each other up and recognize and strengthen each other, it builds each other up. That's another way we walk as a pack. That's another way that we, that it changes iron sharpening iron in our life. And we do become that sharp believer. Another way to help each other and sharpen each other is to speak over each other, is to prophesy over each other and is to pray over each other. I think the enemy's done such an amazing job of damaging that because I've seen so many speak so much negative. Christians have this reputation of, of being fault finders. And that reputation wasn't just laid on us. It was earned. It was earned. <laughs> right. You know, we, we do tend to look, look at the bad first. Let me look at, let me look at all your rough edges and let me smooth that out. No, let, let Christ do that. You know, you did such a great job in your messages on judgment about what is ours to carry and what is the Lord's to carry. And the Lord does a better job. Thanks. I think accountability, mm-hmm. uh, we, we look at accountability and we often do that on the negative. We we're really good at holding each other accountable to the negative. Even if we're talking about, oh, watch your confession. You just said yeah. you you owned that. You know, don't own that. That's great. That's good to say that. But, you know, just like judgment, you don't want it to be unrighteous, which mm-hmm. is undue or unmerited criticism. We don't want it to be unrighteous, and we don't want our our accountability to always be on the negative. Why can't we hold somebody accountable for the for the positive? A lot of times Christians, when they see something they don't like or they don't agree with, they just stop the relationship. They stop hanging out with that person. You can't stop family from being family. So I think as we walk as family, we we learn to grow with them and and help them grow and help us grow. You know, maybe there is some rough edges that God needs to smooth off. But you know what? Maybe there's some patience in us that we need to work on. Maybe there's some compassion in us that we need to work on. You know, we're too busy looking at the other person that we don't see what God needs to work in us. But when we walk as family, we grow and we're sharp. We've been talking about the message, Roar Like a Lion, which you can find by following the link in the description. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Daily Bread. 
Make sure to explore our archive of messages on YouTube by typing Strong Tower Casper in the search bar. Thanks again for listening. Without your faithful support, we wouldn't be able to do the work that God has called us to. If you know someone who would be blessed by what you just heard, please pass this along. At Strong Tower, we believe that you are a unique expression of God's love and creativity, and we consider it an honor to be a part of your journey. There's no one like our God, no one at all. Gave his son for us, Jesus the Lord. And who can love us like he does?